Live from an exact replica of Sidney Prescott's living room, this is Austin Danger Podcast. We said we would do all of the Scream movies, and tonight it is the third week of Screamtober, so we will be doing Scream 3 at the bottom of the hour. That is all I have to say until we get there about it. Mackenzie, <laughs> you know, Kev yes. here. Mackenzie here. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, ready to talk about a film that we both watched. You and I both watched a movie and we're going to talk about it. Every week on Austin Danger Podcast, no matter what it is, no matter if it's a randomly picked movie from our wheel over 400 or a movie that we promised to watch despite having seen not seen it in almost 20 years wow. and just not knowing how it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm our DMs. We've both been being sly to each other, and I'm very interested to see the thoughts that are going to come out during Scream Three. I think I have been very upfront in our DMs about how I feel <laughs> about it, but we'll get there when we get there, huh? How exciting! What a I'm night! Excited. What a what night! A night. <laughs> uh, hey, well, before we get started, yep. before we get started, I do want to not to start it on a somber note, but I did want to read a statement oh. from Austin Danger Podcast Legal. Let me just get it here. Um, the legal van's coming out. I can see them dropping off the papers. Let me just get this here. I have a couple things to say this episode, but uh, Awesome Danger Podcast is saddened to hear of the loss of the legendary Angela Lansbury, and our thoughts are with her family in this difficult time. Angela Lansbury, I don't think she's come up on the show naturally through a pick just yet. Not yet. But hopefully soon. We both love Angela Lansbury. You know, she's a Broadway icon. She's She is Jessica Fletcher of Murder, She Wrote, which we both watch. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I try not to get too weird about celebrity deaths because, like, in the end, like, those are celebrities and I didn't know them, actually. Uh, but Angela Lansbury hit me really hard. I, I did cry and I got really, really sad. <laughs> and we watched Bed Knobs and Broomsticks and uh, <laughs> just smiled while we watched Angela on screen. Yeah. I, I have not yet done my Angela Lansbury mourn watch, as some people do. <laughs> I don't really do that a lot. I did love Angela Lansbury, of course. Um, I know that Austin Danger Podcast does an off-air Murder, She Wrote Weekly watch that, if my calendar is correct, as you listen to this, nine. as yeah. you listen to this, this is the week. So, big week. <laughs> but, yeah, obviously, from Sweeney Todd on Broadway and yes and beyond Mrs. Potts in future episode Beauty and the Beast. Yes, that might be the first time she comes up honestly. There may be a chance for me to pick whatever I want and if that came up say as a part of a coin toss from 6 months ago <laughs> it feels like we could watch Beauty and the Beast very I'd soon. Be down. Very soon. How do I segue out of this into what we've been watching? I don't know. I mean, I watched Bedknobs and Broomsticks, as I said, Boom. I guess. How do you Boom. like that? Bada bing, bada bang. What never if that was the only it. thing I talked about? I've also never seen it. I I think because uh, I won't linger on it too much because there was other movies I watched this week. But um, Rachel, it's like a childhood favorite for, for hers. And, uh, and there was like a scene that was so vivid as it was playing that I was like, I feel like I've seen this, but I don't remember it. So I might've watched it as a kid, but I truly remember 0% of it almost. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it was delightful. It's a kid's movie. I, I, I try not to be too critical about children's movies. It's uh, but it's cute. Angela's great. Uh, but the, the two movies I kind of want to highlight this week that I watched, cause I watched a lot of good stuff this week. I finally am diving into the real Latinos, our dear friends, over at the Real Latinos, I, I all of their movies are blind spots for me. So I I've been trying to like actively watch the movies before I listen to their episodes so that I don't spoil myself. Uh, and I watched Itumama Tambien this week. Love it, and uh, it's a great movie. <laughs> so I don't I I would say go listen to their thoughts on it. They there were some things that they said that really really resonated with me that I thought was really amazing, uh, and it was really fun to just hear our friends talk about this really awesome movie. It's a uh, yeah, it's really great. It's also Rachel's been watching, you know, Andor and Rogue One, so it's very fun to see Diego Luna as like a teeny tiny baby. Yes. In that movie, um, but it's really, it's really a great movie. It's very different than what I expected it to be in a, in in the best ways. So, you two on the Tampion, very good. In a surprise to no one, I am now three weeks behind on Real Latinos picks. I thought they would be the show, but I'm sorry, guys. Life found a way. I don't know what I what to tell you, but uh, yeah, no, well, they've hey. had awesome picks also. Yeah, amazing pick. So I'm trying to maybe knock out maybe Kronos and Amores Peros this good, week. Good so. movie, great movie. 
So yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to dive in more, uh, and, and sort of weirdly a segue. So in Itumama Tambien, there is a part where I think in maybe Julio's room you see a poster for Harold and Maud. Oh, here we go. This is it. And I said, and I said, Rachel, what if we double featured Itumama Tambien with Harold and Maud, which they are similar films. Yeah, yes, they're similar that is movies. True. They're about a young man slash young men engaging in a relationship with an older woman granted mods mm-hmm. a little bit older than maribel <laughs> um, it's true but uh you know and it's about it's about love but also death and how those things are inexplicably linked uh in our lives uh and they go in different directions with them but still very good ones and so i watched harold and Maud. it annihilated me emotionally and yep. i loved it so much and so dearly and i'm gonna i really like immediately want to watch it again <laughs> um it really, really resonated with me. There was one line I will not say because I don't want to possibly spoil anything, but it's near the end of the movie. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, it, I, guess, I guess it is my review because it was said in the movie in context of the film. And if Rachel and I both like physically got hit by that line and we both looked at each other and burst into sobs. And then we were just laughing and sobbing at each other over this part in this movie. And uh, yeah, it was just a deeply moving movie and both of those movies fall into what rachel and i refer to as the brokeback mountain effect where like a movie gets boiled down to a meme version of itself oh Broke sure Back mountain was the gay cowboy movie and it was used as a way to sort of pull away from the intimacy and the storytelling of that film and when you watch it it's so much more than that and i feel that way about both harold and mott and itumama tambien because i feel like itumama is like oh it's the threesome movie it's nothing but sex it's da 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 and i'm like Sex totals maybe 10 minutes of that runtime. There's so much more happening in it. Right. I mean, well, that's America also, right? Yes, exactly. Right. Like, like think, sex, about, yeah. think about how I was in the bathroom line after Avatar and the bathroom line was dominated with men in my age range around 10 years, 25 to 35, all talking about how the sex scene was different than they remember. Like what? <laughs> that movie, of all the things in Avatar. <laughs> Avatar is fucking dense and long as hell. Yes. So, I don't know. America is also preoccupied with sex, especially sex that is uh, beyond our realm of understanding, right? That's why Brokeback Mountain became a meme, is people couldn't handle it. People didn't know how to handle it. I mean, that's why it lost the Academy Award, right? Crash was the safe, not gay pick. (laughs) Yeah, if you're a cop, you love Crash. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I don't know about that. There you (laughs) go. Um, But then, yeah, like, you know, Harold and Maude, the only thing I'd ever heard about it was, like, a guy has sex with an old lady, and that was all I thought that movie was. Oh, goodness. And then... Yeah, I and I had no idea about like the actual plot of it, which I won't spoil here, but there's a lot like Harold has a lot more going on and his relationship with Maud is meaningful in numerous ways uh, outside of sex. And so, uh, yeah, it just both of those movies got boiled down to me that when I actually came to them, they both really blew me away with how beautiful they were. So, I don't know, just a great lesson to never never take a movie by the meme and just uh, give it a chance. We got a, got a copyright on that. <laughs> copyright and yeah and the quick hits i watched clute it was cool it was yeah, awesome jane Clute. fonda academy award winning and philadelphia story i watched that it was great but uh what did you watch this week yeah so i watched a lot of stuff so we're gonna move very quickly so everybody brace yourselves as if i don't talk fast enough on mic um, <laughs> i watched a bunch of h movies this week not our friend h but that's what i thought you meant h. i watched the hunger by Tony mm. Scott, which we talked about last yes, week, yes, yes, yes. which I liked a little less than you because yeah, it's totally. it's vibe um, compatibility. Yeah, but that makes sense. Good Lord, the, the one of the sweatiest movies I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> really great stuff. I was happy to watch it on the big screen at the Roxy. Again, the official movie theater of Austin Danger Podcast, New York chapter. After that, Jackie Kong was in town, the director of such atrocities as Night Patrol with a young Andrew Dice Clay. That movie's atrocious. Uh, well, <laughs> she's I think she's going for something. If you want to read into it, I won't get into it here. But she was there That's to so screen funny. her horror comedy, Blood Diner, which is very funny. And nobody's in blackface in Blood Diner. So we're already a big step up. I mean, from yeah, Night already Patrol. huge, huge plus there. Wow. Um, Jinkies. And then this random dude from horror Instagram was there. He was the guy kind of bringing her from event to event that weekend because she was here for Comic-Con. And uh, he talked over her the entire Q&A and then tried to do bits with everybody who had questions, including me. And uh, Mama didn't raise no fool. Is all I have to say about that. Hey, 
random dude, no one's there for you, bud. That's my advice. If you're ever a random person doing a Q&A, they're not there for you. No, they're there for the guest. Don't don't talk over the guest to say that she's a woman of color trying to get movies funded in Hollywood as she's trying Let to say that. Let her say that. Yeah. Oh my it God. Um, made me cringe. So that was terrible. Blood Diner, absolutely S- hilarious. Totally gory beyond belief. Hellraiser looks like Sister Act in comparison to some of the shit that goes on in Blood Diner. But that was super <laughs> funny. Also this week, I revisited three of my favorite horror movies. The two Halloweens from 1978 and 2018, which I don't know. Will there one day be an opportunity to discuss how much I love Halloween on Austin Danger podcast? It is a mystery that you can solve by going to IMDb yourself. (laughs) I don't know. And uh, yeah, I love Halloween so much. Halloween 78 is, in my opinion, Top three greatest horror movies of all time, if not the best. Without it, we don't have Freddy. We don't have Jason. Are we even here talking about Scream without it? Absolutely nope. not, in my opinion. Zero, zilch, no chance. No. Uh, the 18 is the best requel ever. In a couple of weeks, you'll hear all about that word and what it means. And boy, will you be excited when I read off my list of requels that I'm currently working on. So that's exciting. The 18? Like the 18's like the ABBA cover band? I'm talking about Halloween from 2018. Oh, you said 18. <laughs> I was like, the 18s? I love their Super Trooper cover. Are we doing an A-Team series? Are we doing weekly A-Team updates? Who knows? Uh, <laughs> no. What else did I I watched Old Hellraiser, which is fucking awesome. Totally hardcore. Shout out to 70mm, without whom there is no Austin Pod, uh, who are doing it this week. Very brave on their part. Their audience is there to see Steven Spielberg movies and not Hellraiser. So thank you guys. This is huge. Like I'll do my, you know, I'll have sent a weepy voicemail by the time you're listening to this. I also watched new Hellraiser, which blew. Um, oh, damn. I, I that thought sucks. it was bad. I only, you know, I love Jamie Clayton. So I was excited that she's like getting paid. Um, she's the new pinhead, but yeah, like, she's you know, I, I only, allegedly that's the only thing I know about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think Jamie Clayton's great as the new pinhead who is quote the priest to keep everything in Canon. Uh, but the canon doesn't matter and none of it matters. And it's not, uh, they try to do this elevated horror thing, but really all it does is tack on 20 minutes. That doesn't matter. Oh, damn. Um, and it's a bummer. Uh, so there's that. Uh, finally, last week I had seen the first two films by a director named Todd field. And <gasps> I saw tar on Thursday night, the new film with Cape Blanchett. And oh. Um, all I will say, I'm trying not to be that guy about it until at least you see it. <laughs> the thing I will say about Tar, because a lot of people live in a lot of places who aren't going to get it for weeks, and I'm sorry about that. Trust me on this. All the cool movies I'm seeing here in New York, that's all baked into the rent, okay? That's all I have to say about it. Tar is the kind of movie, you know, there's been a lot of number ones this year for me. A lot of movies that really hit my core and shot to the top of the list. It's going to be really hard to rank these movies, except for Tar, which defies a year-end list and defies a decade-end list and makes a fool out of the concept of time when we're talking about best things in a certain time and place. And that's kind of where I'm at with it. (laughs) I am so deeply, profoundly excited. My Letterboxd review says, Jesus Christ. And that is my review. Before we get into Austin news, I would like to reintroduce a brand new weekly segment to Austin Danger Podcast called the Austin Danger Podcast Overwatch Minute. I love how many segments we have. <laughs> Mackenzie, I was finally able to get into the game and actually play it. But we love it. I have a glitch now where whenever I get an achievement on Xbox, the game boots me out of the match, oh which means God. I am constantly punished for kicking too much ass. <laughs> but then I got into the achievement menu and the achievement is like you were Farah for three matches. It's like, no shit. I'm Farah all the time. <laughs> I'm like, so sorry. I'm punished for being alive. You're, you're punished. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah, I, I finally was able to get in and I'm consistently playing, which is nice, which is exciting. And uh, yeah, I'm having a good time. I think that the, I watched a really great video today, actually kind of breaking it down. The like, way they've set up skins is broken and awful because you used to get loot boxes as incentives for playing. Right. It's a service now. 
Yeah. I don't know. They've, and they've taken away leveling. They've just taken out a lot of stuff that doesn't feel like it needed to leave. And so I'm hoping they continue to work out the kinks. The launch was a wreck, but, you know, I'm having fun. I play my own game. Yeah, I mean, if any, if there was any... If it was any dev but Blizzard, I would have given them some kind of, like, slack. But this is this is the home of World of Warcraft. Yeah, like, what really. are we... Like, how... What? When? Why? Very what weird. What are you doing? What are you doing? All right, so that was Overwatch Minute. Stay tuned for next week when I'll probably have something else to complain about. But <laughs> until then. whoop dit news What does it all mean, Basil? Hey, here's actual kind of Austin news. There what? has been a wave of Austin appreciation on a bunch of different comedy shows and movies and a lot of different places. Um, the lead singer of the of the indie rock band Mannequin Pussy is doing an Austin Powers themed trivia night, which I realize <laughs> now has made me say the name of the band out loud, which I've never yes. done. Uh, but we love you. Congratulations on getting the trivia night. That's great. Come on the show. Come on. Everybody should check them out. They're a great band. Also, Roxana Haddadi from Vulture. I probably butchered your name. I'm sorry wrote an article called Austin Powers References Are Comedy's Hottest Mini-Trend, citing Bros, the new season of Rami, and this new show on Hulu called This Fool that all have references to the Austin Powers movies. That's Um, very interesting. When Roxana wrote this article, she did not include the word podcast in her Google search because maybe she could have found us. Who knows? Hit us up, girl. Come on the show. Pick, we'll talk about Beauty and the Beast with you if that's what you want to talk about. Whatever. Whatever. Um, it's an interesting article. We will include it in the show notes about, awesome. you know, comedy influences. It is an interesting confluence of that. And is it ironic or not? And why are we doing it? It just seems to be this like postmodern thing everyone's into. Um, mm. It feels there are two schools. There's either the super ironic, which sucks and isn't funny and goes away quickly. And then there are people like, you know, people really sincerely love it. And we've been pretty clear about why. Yeah. And that is Austin news. Look, it's an Austin powers podcast, right? So the Austin powers content that you come for, you know how it is. I like that we're we're like a buffet of a podcast. We give you a little Austin Powers content. We give you some Overwatch. You want some Angela Lansbury? We're gonna just spread the spread the bird seed and see what, what people pick up. Is every great podcast not two friends bullshitting about whatever they want with a gimmick <laughs> strapped onto it? It's our podcast where we talk about whatever we want. It's true. It's true. Well, Mackenzie, we've stalled long enough. It's that part oh. of the show now where we have to talk about the third film in the Scream franchise, Scream 3. Uh, Wes Craven returned to direct. Kevin Williamson did not return to write the film. <laughs> Gee whiz. Wow, how could you tell? <laughs> as if the first two screams weren't enough of a tightrope act that required a deft hand at your, at your script. Almost as if you could say... Just anybody couldn't write Scream. scream film without kevin williamson writing with only 20 shooting days total in neve campbell's schedule with a pair of jagged rusted scissors foisted towards courtney cox's forehead well scream 3 attempts to answer those questions with the story of how the set of stab 3 began to be plagued with murders reflecting that of the film being made Gail and Dewey hit the Hollywood scene to attempt to solve the mystery of these murders, sparked by the killing of Cotton Weary, alongside their actor doppelgangers, while Sydney hides out in the woods, being plagued by PTSD nightmares of her mother. 
Eventually, Sydney completes the trio by making her way to LA, where the killer begins to strike more as a McDreamy cop attempts to protect her. All is revealed at Roman Bridger's birthday party. Roman, the director of Stab 3, and revealed to be not only Maureen Prescott's secret baby and therefore the long-lost brother of Sidney Prescott, but also Ghostface all along by himself. Even though that doesn't really make any sense and we'll get into it, our final girl does indeed kick his ass right off into the sunset, and this trilogy ends on a whimper instead of a scream. This movie fucking sucks. <laughs> this movie does suck really okay? bad. Yeah. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> and if you like it, that's awesome. And I'm glad you exist because we are we differ in this way. And look, yeah. Um, I want to get right into why it sucks, and I want to <laughs> say that I understand why. So this is all a kind of a downer, but we have to put this in the context of the time, right? Oh, I know why. The yes, spring before why. Scream Three happens. The Columbine massacre takes place, and there is an increased scrutiny and violence in the media, despite one of the major themes of the Scream films being a criticism of violence in the media. Mm -hmm. It also depicts characters who behave in a way not unlike um, a school shooter may, right? I mean, is that a little extreme? I feel like that may be a little extreme. No, I mean, I I, I brought some trivia with me because this is a movie that I feel like as soon as you watch it, you race to the trivia to see what the fuck happened. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there was definitely, uh, from what I could tell, about 5,000 versions of the script and continual rewrites and multiple parts filmed of basically every scene, which is, I think, uh, leads to the disjointed messy feeling of this film that like they were kind of cobbling together a lot and there's one huge thing that we'll definitely get into um but one big thing is that the original kind of script idea was that stew would have survived uh scream one and yeah i know <laughs> which right? is also not an awesome he, thing <laughs> he fell uh yeah tv film said he would have survived scream one and would have been um, orchestrating murders on woodsboro high school students to pull everybody back Ugh. um like ghost face murders, I presume he would have obviously had an accomplice of some sort. You know, who knows what that what that script might have looked like. But Columbine actively uh, changed that script. That apparently was like the main reason why they got rid of that yeah. idea was because of Columbine. And hey, and, look, rightfully yeah. so, right? Like, oh, absolutely. This is a very difficult time in which to produce a teen slasher film. Uh, yeah. yeah, and apparently, like. I mean, right, these characters aren't teens anymore, so that's helpful. The main characters, our main group of people aren't really teenagers. But, yeah, I read, I was reading that, like, the producers were very adamant about cutting violence. There was almost a demand of no blood to be seen in the whole film, which would have, how would you have even made a movie? Uh, and th that's another kind of reason why Wes Craven has said that the film is very more comical than gory but it's barely funny so i don't really know what he means it's, by that but you know well I mean. you know what the other thing is is tonally it's the complete so so i watched the first two obviously because we do the show and as mm -hmm. i was watching them i was like this is way toned down than i remember i remember these movies being very silly and mm -hmm. this is what i now now new nightmare as i said last week which i prefer shockingly i uh, got no heat for that so i don't know maybe people haven't seen it but uh that movie is really goofy, but Freddy is goofy. Scream does not invite goofy. No. It's way more serious than I, I remembered. And here, we're in fucking Looney Tunes. Like, Parker Posey is literally Porky Pig in this film. She is ridiculous. She is, she is, she's playing her character from future ADP episode Waiting for Guffman in this film. <laughs> yes. I mean, I love Parker Posey, and if if we that is the tone her. of the like, yeah, I adore her. I was looking at my tags. I've seen like thirteen of her movies. <laughs> I've seen so much Parker Posey. I adore Parker Posey, um, but she does bring a specific tone. Like when you see Parker Posey in a movie, unless she's playing against type and against her normal shtick, you have a certain, at least for me, you have a certain tone you're expecting when you come to a film and you see a performer like Parker Posey in in the film. And no one else is where she's at. So Parker Posey is great in this, but like everyone else is in a different movie. 
I can handle fans. They want picture. They want a conversation. I can handle fans. You see this, Dewey? I haven't had one of these in a year and a half. Someone's gonna pay for this. Jennifer, settle down. What happened? I'm with him. You. Like I'm ever going to win an award playing you. There's been a second murder. Who? Sarah, darling. Where? At the studio. Where? Nancy Drew wants to know where. Cotton weary, Sarah, darling. Don't you get it? Someone's killing them in the order they die in the movie. It's, yeah, there's a lot. It's just, a, it's a very disjointed, me- it's just messy. It's just a very messy, poorly paced, disjointed movie. And all of it seems to be rooted in the fact that they couldn't wait another fucking year to just wait till Kevin Williamson was around. Because apparently, I hate that he's come up so much, but the Weinsteins were very involved in this film. We will discuss and, them further later in the show. Yeah, well, I, I was reading that like, they were unwilling to wait for Kevin Williamson's schedule to free up. He was literally like, just give me a couple months. And they were like, no. So they replaced him. Just wait a couple fucking months. And then Neve Campbell, as I said, was also pretty unavailable because she was filming a movie and a TV show. They could have just waited a bit longer. And Sydney's absence in, in like is like she's around, but not in any meaningful ways that affect the plot in that first like 50 minutes. And it, it, it brings the whole movie down. It really does. And, and I just I just feel like so a lot of the f- feelings of like how fucked up this movie is, like it looks like it was put together in, with duct tape, uh, could have been helped if they had just taken a bit more time with it. And just, I don't know. It's just, it's disappointing because I can see a lot of potential in this movie. There's moments where I see like things that are actually interesting, moments of performances. I'm like, oh my God, Neve Campbell killing it in that scene. Yes. So, you know, like I see little pebbles of potential in this film, but they don't come together as a cohesive piece. Yeah, The core idea of Scream 3 being a parody of Stab 3, the meta aspect of the of the trilogy thing. It's great. great. Yeah. The meta of the Hollywood thing is great to a point. I, I think that there are themes in the film that are mistakes, but I applaud <laughs> them for handling them. Um, yeah. Like there's stuff here that's good. It just wasn't put together in a good way. Um, which is disappointing because I love Scream. And I know a lot of people have kind of reclaimed this as a so bad it's good movie. Uh, and I could I could have fun with it. But it's like if I but with watching movies for a podcast, I feel like I'm taking a closer eye to them. Yes. And, and this is definitely I remember being pretty mid on this movie when I last watched it. But now I, I found a lot of things that bother me uh, taking a bit of a closer peek. At it, it. It's also, you know, it would be one thing if it were just a random movie that was so bad it's good. Like, I can kind of see you eye to eye on that. But Scream 1 and 2 are really great. Obviously, I have my quibbles and whatnot. Yeah, we all do. but they're, they're we're solid all children of, We're all animals, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, like, it's not like... 1 and 2 are better than the Friday the 13th movies before it gets really awful. Mm. Right? I, I don't know. It's a weird... That's a weird comparison. No, I mean, they're they're both solid movies. They know exactly what they're doing. The writing is tight and, like, the performances are good. And though it is a specific shtick, it's good at that shtick. It is, it is then, better than just a horror movie. Yeah. And when you're coming to the third and, at that, at that time, final film in a right. film series, it's really disheartening to, to have it go out with such a fucking just a whisper <laughs> you know what i mean like the third movie is where you're supposed to go out big and it, it just really doesn't take any bold choices and i have not seen five but i do know i do remember four taking some bigger some bigger risks that i think kind of revived the series obviously um yeah three is just it's just a glaring a glaringly bad movie in a um series of pretty solid movies what were they thinking with the hair? Like, here's everything you need to know about Scream 3 and the tone is in the character of Gail Weathers in this film. So uh, she comes out, she turns around, she does her superstar entrance. She is wearing Ronald McDonald dress in mustard <laughs> yellow and ketchup red. And her hair has been hacked at by somebody who alleged to be a hairdresser. Uh, what the vision was on these bangs, I'm not sure. But they're fuzzy in the middle like a skunk stripe of fuzz on her head and they are uneven as well it is the worst it is the worst thing think about how hot she looked in scream 2 and then to go from that to this i am currently looking up 
what season Friends was in the year 2000 <laughs> to compare her look because there's absolutely no way. Way she was on Friends like this. Well, I read online, if you want to have someone to blame, David Arquette apparently suggested she, quote unquote, cut her hair like Betty Page. And that was supposed to be... How do you fuck up Betty Page that bad that you get the the bangs that she is wearing in this movie? All right. So I'm looking at screenshots from the episode of Friends, the one with Monica's Thunder that aired 22 years ago tonight on October 12th, 2002, 2000, period. Excuse me. She is wearing... She has this long shoulder length, beautiful hair. She's got a big swoop going on. What are we doing with our lives as Americans? To allow this to go on. I don't know, man. I just don't know. Only months after Scream was... I'm looking at it uh, too. She looks gorgeous. Released. Yeah, yeah. What are we doing? What are we doing? The Randy Roundtable immediately reconstructed and put in the freezer. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Yeah, it's a it's a fucking mess. Yeah, and then Gail and oh my god, sorry we're going kind of out of order because I know I feel like we've been starting with the initial kill, which we can get to, but Ugh. the Gail Dewey thing, yeah, was the immediate, maddening. Like stepping back because you need to fill fifteen pages. I was like, it was Ugh. like the dude they brought in to write this didn't even watch Scream Two. He was like, oh, I'll just figure this out because we get this like compelling lovely love story between dewey and gail through scream 2 where it's really effortlessly executed they they fight they bicker they come back together they save each other's lives and they in the movie as a couple and it's great and then we come to scream 3 and they're like fighting and bickering and bullshit and it was like scream 2 never happened right and it was just like so annoying having to watch them kind of redo this arc but worse in this movie Gail. dewey well, surprise, surprise. Someone dies and Gail comes running. Gail, I think you'll really appreciate my character work in this one. Someone's helped me understand the real you. Someone? Your ruthless ambition, your private self-loathing, and that lost and lonely little girl inside. Lost and lonely what? You heard me. Thanks, Dewey. I return it. Lost and lonely what? little girl inside. I thought you were supposed to be in Woodsboro. Well, I'm surprised you thought about me at all. Listen, I gotta get back to work. I really don't have time for this. And, and the proposal at the end, whatever, would have been a lot more effective had they just continued to build the relationship as opposed to breaking them up again and then making us rebuild it. I wasn't even if paying had... attention at that point. I, didn't, <sighs> yeah, I don't I mean, even yeah. remember who, there was who a is? proposal. Yeah, he proposes to um, um, I don't. It's just sort of like, it, it just feels like there there was so much left. Uh, I was left wanting with like, why did you just completely backtrack this relationship you spent a whole movie building up? It was so stupid. Can we, on this tip about the guy who wrote Scream 3, can we leave the classroom for a moment? We'll get back to Dewey and Gale. What's Aaron Kruger, what a last name to write Scream 3, the writer of this film, went on to write, this is his career, the Ring, one and two. The Ring is a great movie. Okay. Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen. Okay. He produced and wrote the Tim Burton Dumbo. Okay. And Top Gun Maverick. But the reason I'm bringing him up. He wrote Top Gun Maverick? He co-wrote with the with Christopher McQuarrie, who directs the Mission Impossibles, and he's Tom Cruise's guy, and Eric Warren Singer is the other writer as well. What? He wrote a movie called Transformers Dark of the Moon that I like very much. And when Scream 4 was coming around they wanted patrick dempsey patrick dempsey yeah. said no i am committed right you were telling me before <laughs> yeah yeah he didn't come back for scream 4 spoiler alert i guess that he's not I back am in that movie committed to playing dylan gould a wealthy car collector and carly's employer who is secretly working with the decepticons in transformers dark of the moon uh, how does that play out you can find out coming soon on austin danger podcast <laughs> when we do the transformers movies which oh uh, will drive Mackenzie to madness. <laughs> but yeah, getting back to it, I, I agree that there's a formula here. It feels like he's playing to a formula. Oh, this is how this has to be. Dewey and Gale will fight and they will reconcile. And that's their whole arc, which but is they frustrating. did that. Right, right, right. There's a whole lot of things in this movie that you're just seeing again for no reason. Hey, I, I watched Jamie Kennedy die seven days ago. Okay. But we had to do his VHS Bring thing him back. Yeah. for no reason. 
Couldn't there have just been a new character? Or could you have let him live or avoid death in an innovative way last time? You didn't think about that because you didn't write Scream 2, did you? <laughs> well, there's apparently there was a lot of hubbub um, with uh, Randy's death in Scream 2. Like, Wes Craven apparently got an insane amount of shit for it, was, like, getting hate mail. Uh-huh. It was a whole thing. So that's why there's sort of a self-aware line about Randy of, like, oh, the fans are just pissed because you killed Randy in the second one. Like, there's that line oh, early right, in the film. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, and so this was sort of the way of getting him back so that the fans would calm down. And uh, apparently there was a... And this actually is a great transition to something else I want to talk about. Um, apparently there was a version in which Randy's family, quote unquote, secretly rescued him from the van and he was alive, which would have made no fucking sense. Um, but there's a lot of things in this movie that make no fucking sense. Uh, this scream has always been rooted very much in realism to me. It's a very realistic movie compared to a supernatural horror. So then these fucking ghost scenes are so tonally fucked up up to me they're so weird these weird maureen is a ghost in sydney's house haunting her dreams and i know it's a nightmare thing but like tonally that's not what this movie what the scream series historically is and so and it's clearly they just needed things that they could film neve campbell by herself with because they couldn't get her out to a fucking set right and uh yeah i hate the like ghost scenes and then the like the fucking voice modulator that has perfect samples of the entire cast's voice that he can just switch to whoever he wants. Like, okay. we're getting into sci-fi. It's so fucking stupid. I think that that is stupid, but there is nothing else in this movie like the reveal to Sydney when Ghostface switches back. That was really good. There's cool stuff. I just think that, like, it's taking a lot to suspend my disbelief that he just has fucking voice samples of like every person in this entire cast. It's insane. Right. No, exactly right. Hey, speaking of things that make no sense, uh, not to pivot all the way back to the beginning of the movie. Why no, even have cotton weary in this fucking franchise at all after he gets exonerated? If you're just going to kill him immediately for no reason in the worst way, I got to tell you, I watched this cold open and immediately my heart sank. I was like, fuck, like I knew this was going to be the worst one. And it is, but like, Oh Jesus Christ. Like it's boring. It's not fun. It's not interesting. It's all fake outs we've seen before. It's like, what are we doing? And it's like, Oh, Leif Schreiber died. I didn't give a shit. Like I gave more of a shit about Drew Barrymore who doesn't even exist. Her name is, I don't Gone. know what her character name is. I, I remember the wig more than the identity. You know what I mean? Casey Becker. Casey Becker. Sure. Sure. Hey, I will also say like the fact that I had such ill will towards this film and remembered Dewey Riley and Gail Weathers <laughs> and Sidney Prescott. Kudos, kudos on me. I- I mean, yeah, I give more shits about um, his girlfriend because she didn't ask for this. She was just like taking right, a shower. Exactly. I feel so bad for her. Yeah, I mean, narratively, I like amorphously the idea of killing Cotton. I think it's interesting. They just gave him an arc in the second film. But as I said last week, I didn't think it was pulled off very well. That's like a weak point for me in the second Scream. Um, you're right. So by killing him up top, again, in theory, I like it. But I, but I think there was more to mine with his arc. Uh, and maybe if it had been done more successfully in the second one, this kill would work better for me. Or maybe if they had given him more. I don't know. Like, I just think it's like, in theory, a good idea. And it's just not, it just doesn't really land perfectly. And I can't quite put my finger on it. And I agree. It's a pretty boring opening kill. Like, there's no, nothing inventive about it. There's no tension Roman Bridger is a, just a ghost face that's just flinging himself at shit. So it's like he's not a very he is exciting a, ghost face. He is as ghost face so horrible. So <laughs> clumsy. He is it's worse. Weird. Okay. He is. This is this is a nuclear take. Nuclear. My least favorite movie monster of all time is Jason in Freddy versus Jason. Mm. The first shot of him, he looks like total shit. And <laughs> it ruined the movie for me. I was excited about watching it all week. I knew it was crap. But the first second you see Jason, I'm like, oh, Meg, he's too short. He's too small. He looks terrible. And then you have to watch another 90 minutes of him fighting Freddy and you have to care about it. Uh, Ghostface in this film doesn't work for me at all. It's way worse than Jason, actually. Believe it or not. Yeah, Ghostface is really weird in this i will say before we leave this opening scene i do think leo schreiber does his best acting in the trilogy in this in this scene yes, actually i agree i enjoy him in this i i like him in the role 
I don't like the writing of it, but I, exactly. I think he does a great job and uh, he handles it well. I don't know. It's being, you know, the victim I just was of a like, slasher. Oh, his best acting. I feel like we've seen in these three movies. Um, speaking of the ghost face stuff, this is the big thing that, that I read in trivia. It's the entire spoiler trivia section is about this, about how it makes no sense that there's only one ghost face. You, do you know what I mean? Like there was one part that literally confused the shit out of me when she's in the fake house, she does the door lock the door is pushing as if someone is pushing at the door, a la Ghostface. Right. And then Ghostface pops up behind a window as if miraculously teleported. Um, well, the red herring of the actress who plays Sydney is another killer. It was filmed. It's part of the script. It's a whole fucking Whoa. thing. I thought, well, well, if there's no movie, then no one would care if I took some souvenirs. Souvenirs? I may never win another role, so these may be my only memories, you know? Of Hollywood. I know it's weird because it's your life and all, but I wanted to make you proud, Sydney. But and Wes Craven has talked about it. Wes Craven's been like, yeah, uh, yes, she was the other killer. So Angel, her name's Angelina because they're referencing, you know, uh, Angelina Jolie. Sure. Um. So all those moments of her being a red herring, quote unquote, and then she sort of just fucking disappears. <laughs> she is, does. Um, she does like point blank look right at like creep her the fuck out on purpose. Like right. Yeah. Like when she's in the sh- when she's in the bathroom and she's like, oh, I just have this mask for no reason. Sorry. If you've you're been like, joining us on this journey and have a brain, you you caught it. Yeah. You you know how to spot it now. Like, yeah. The movies and- have taught you the vocabulary of hey, this person is somebody to watch. Oh, yeah. And Roman is so obvious, too, because he's just sitting around being angry all the time. He's like, oh, my movie, my movie. And you're like, you're the most obvious killer of all time. Yeah, there the wasn't even up. a mystery there. It, w- it wasn't no. going to be Silent Bob. <laughs> Which we got to talk about. But, yeah, we'll talk about yeah, this. So this girl, she was a killer. Also, that actress is wonderful. She's on the newsroom. She's in a ton Emily of Emily Mortimer, wonderful. Wonderful actress. All actors in this film doing their oh, best with yeah, what truly. is going on. Truly. Yes, I would agree. They're uh, all doing Admirable everybody. Patrick Warburton, great. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll get to everyone else, but like everybody is doing a great job. Neve is phenomenal. Neve is always showing up and giving her best, and I love that for her. Um, but yeah, so this woman was actually the killer. She was supposed to be someone who went to high school with Sydney and is Roman's girlfriend, and she was the other ghost face. And so that's why there's scenes where like physics don't make sense with one ghost face, like that chase, because then also ghost face is immediately in the closet downstairs. You know what I mean? Like that would have been her technically, right? Uh, there's like the how did he get himself into the coffin and frame his own death? He probably needed to someone to help him do that. Like there's a lot of like physics that just don't make sense with one ghost face. And the thing that killed me most of all, and I promise I'll be done with this. Um, one, Wes Craven didn't want to edit that out, but then the studio didn't like it. Like the producers didn't like that she was one of the killers. Don't know why. Didn't really see an explanation. Wow, wait, you're telling me the person who wanted to make so many edits to Hayao Miyazaki's films that Miyazaki sent him a a sword? Uh, Okay. (laughs) To say no more edits? Uh, Has a bad take on a movie? The man who bullied everybody into making Shakespeare in Love the winningest film of all time? Has bad takes on a movie? You know, kind of insane that he got Wes Craven to cut and we'll... Well, he got it was Craven to cut a second killer, but not the character that is blatantly based off of him. Yes, uh, that is a fascinating of facet of this film. Which we can switch to next, but I do want to yeah, say... Yeah, we'll, we'll get there next. The actress, Emily Mortimer, did not realize it was cut. So she saw the movie, did not realize her killer reveal was cut. And she said, like, it, it makes the rest of her performance confusing because she said she was playing it as if she was an accomplice and a killer. And you, I think you can see that work genuinely when you're watching her in the scenes. Especially the like scenes where she's showing up after the explosion, they're all like, "You're kind of suspicious." Like they're they're pointing at her the whole movie, and then there's no payoff to it. So I just think that's that's another really annoying thing that bothered me in this movie is that like there was so obviously a lot of shit cut out of it that it just disjoints the movie completely. And then yeah, there was a whole character based off of Harvey Weinstein, which is a whole theme they're getting into. And you're like, "Oh, we're getting into rape culture in Hollywood yeah, now in Scream it, Three, okay?" It is not the place for it. I think. Hey, look great job with it for what it was but sure yeah you're changing your entire mythos to now be about this all yeah. of scream is now about this because moin prescott uh dropped everything and ran to hollywood and was taken advantage of by this predatory producer and all this and of course the the predatory producer and the casting couch is not uh, a harvey weinstein exclusive thing it existed for years yes it may yes, still yes. exist I mean, I'm. We you know we're not fools here. 
But uh, it is it is an ironic thing that Weinstein produces these films because, of course, you know, uh, Rose McGowan, who was famous before she um, mm-hmm. publicly accused Weinstein of assault, is in the first film. And this storyline, which, again, we, we, you know, I don't know. I'm of, of two worlds about it. I'm stammering because I'm of two worlds about it. Mm. I think it's a lot for Scream 3 to do when it can't yes. even get the ghost face shit down. <laughs> yeah. I think when your slasher plot makes no sense and your meta stuff is tortured and bending over backwards to justify itself, maybe the casting couch storyline that retcons the entire history of your franchise is a lot to handle in in almost two hours of my life that is gone. Yeah, the the retconning that it takes and they justify it with Randy being like, oh, everything you thought was true is not anymore in a third movie. It's like, sure, us finding out Darth Vader is Luke's father is one thing. You like fully retconning the backstory of like the root of the killings in Woodsboro and then building this whole fucking new history out that like, I don't know. It just doesn't work. It just really does. The retconning is is a lot that they had to do to make this 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 work and i agree like i think it should be talked about maybe not the time and place scream 3 maybe not the time and place it does factor into one of our major links to this film the amazing carrie fisher hey are you no but you look just like her i've been hearing it all my life it's uncanny i was up for princess leia i was this close so who gets it the one who sleeps with George Lucas. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bring up a, a sore subject for you. Sure you didn't. None of them did. So how can I help you? Or do you want me to tell you who you look like? Lots of lots of jokes. Carrie Fisher, phenomenal, obviously, because everything she... I saw, I read something that... She barely has any lines, and I read something on uh, IMDb that was like, Carrie Fisher rewrote her lines, which feels peak Carrie, because she's a script doctor, and I think that's very funny. That she showed up and she was like, fuck this script, and then rewrote her own lines. It feels natural. It does. It does. So the sun is kind of getting a little low in the sky. So I'm going to propose that we switch to quick hits. Let's do it. I will begin. Number one, back in our Scream 1 episode, I laughed loud at the Clerks VHS product placement. And now (laughs) as Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes and company are on the soundstage filming Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, they have run. Actually, it may have been either Dogma. I think it was Jay and Silent Bob. Might have been. No, it was Jay and Bob. They came over. They did like a scene. It's totally out of place. It happens for no reason. I laughed like a fucking child at Jay and Silent (laughs) Bob. And I don't even like that stuff that much anymore. Courtney Cox flipping them off is funny. So good. So good. Um, I love Patrick Warburton in this movie. I think he's pretty funny. I will say that when he came on screen, I was like, oh, no, it's it's the cartoon character, Patrick Warburton. Because because he's putty at this time. He's kind of a cartoon character. He's about to play the tick on Fox at this time. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, what else do I have here? There was a bathroom stall callback to Scream 2 where yes. Nev meets. This is one of those big foreshadowing moments that got totally wasted. Emily Mortimer and Nev Campbell meet, which was wonderful. I loved the look of Sydney's house on the soundstage. Yes. Um, Roger Corman's cameo is great. What else do I have here? Um, Patrick Dempsey is fucking terrible. <laughs> Randy cites Return of the Jedi when he's talking about big reveals in the third film of a trilogy. But what is he talking about? If I were a film nerd, I would cite Darth Vader being Luke's father in Star Wars 2. Spoilers for a future episode of ADP. Uh, far, far more than I would discuss Luke and Leia being siblings in Return of the Jedi. Um, mm, interesting yeah food yeah, for yeah. thought <laughs> food for thought um i did think having nev as a crisis counselor is a great way to be true to the character while working yes. with the constraints i do give yep. credits for that my final quick hit i'm just gonna read this verbatim <laughs> dewey opens the basement door fires click the gun is out of bullets Ghostface throws the knife and the hilt hits Dewey in the face and he falls down the stairs. That's oh. that is Kev's scream three. Oh my that says God. it all. Like that one moment. That one moment is like you're ready, and then oh nope, never mind. Says everything. Um, <laughs> I did write bullshit next to that Star Wars note. I was not a happy guy. 
uh yeah my quick hits i think it's funny that cotton weary is like jerry springer i guess like that's oh the, yeah that's the vibe I mean, of his tv show it's kind of what he wanted right i guess yeah this is also um, a time like shag me came out a year before this and also featured the real jerry springer so this was also a time where that stuff was mm, super saturated and the zeitgeist yeah like it kind of makes sense it's an interesting angle i thought I wrote Sydney again, looking like a lesbian in comfortable clothes on a ranch, living alone with dogs. She's not beating the allegations. I fear I am accusing her and she's not beating them. I recuse. Uh, uh, I also wrote giving Halloween 2018 Lori vibes with the kind of the rigged up house, which I thought you might enjoy. Yes. That, down for that you. is a really great call. Absolutely. The same. That vibes. is, I feel like someone who's been through that Lori and Sydney would absolutely live in homes that are a bit more, um, fortified if you will and as viewers no uh come on have we learned nothing Lori? good lord anyway <laughs> evil dies tonight or the next night or the next night uh, what's his name scott foley is that roman uh, he's his all of his scenes yes. where he's not ghost faces are terrible uh i hate he, I, he thought he was annoying great. as hell. he's he's maybe not great he's doing <laughs> he's his best annoying. with the material I, I i will also say like we're talking a lot about things we wish were included or touched on this movie is 117 minutes it's long. so fucking long it is so maybe. fucking long look i watched hellraiser this week the new one and that movie is 45 minutes too long but i will watch that twice before i watch this again it's it the longest so long movie to to of my life movie. i swear to god um it just feels long because it's so poorly paced and so poorly written whatever um i also loved the set piece of the recreations of the house i thought that they were worked really well i thought it was yeah. really cool i uh, loved her like walking and seeing where tatum dies and seeing the blood there and like reliving that thought that was great yeah i, I thought, thought it was a great like bringing it full circle coming back home like again jimmy kennedy's tape and i think that they could have done it more they could have done more with it if sydney had been around yeah i just that was my big thing is that like that just bothered me a lot it was that like sydney not being around hinders the movie in a lot of ways because imagine if she like there was like one scene where they were kind of all with their doppelgangers imagine how cool the movie had been if it was about them like being with the actors who play them and being able to build those relationships more and make these new cast members who we don't get to know at all a little bit more exciting uh like the guy that plays dewey just dies and we don't really know anything about him and we we don't care about that death because like who the fuck is that guy you know um there was just a lot left on the table with with that and i i think sydney being there and everyone just being in the same place would have made that whole full circle stuff and scream one references just hit a lot harder. It's just, God, it just, it's just yeah. frustrating. Cause like I can see the goodness and it's just not, it's just lost. It's just lost. Uh, Jenny McCarthy, insane casting. What, 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 what did I miss her? Jenny, Ma Jenny McCarthy's the first kill or the oh, second right, kill. Right, right, She's right, the blonde. Right. Yes, yes, yeah. Yes. I, the cool scene. I like the, I like the prop closet uh, chase. I thought it was fun. You get yes. to pick up all the different fake knives and try to survive. thought that was a fun sit. Like, chase set piece i wrote why does sydney only have a snub-nosed revolver because uh, like that <laughs> seems like a deeply ineffective gun to have but you know true whatever uh, most of my notes are just me being annoyed, <laughs> annoyed at stuff there were moments where they got me like i you know i thought the mystery of maureen having more to her was cool but then it didn't really execute it well there was always like ideas that were cool that were just executed poorly uh Loved the line, Parker Posey, my lawyer liked that after Gail punches her. Blowing the house up is kind of crazy. I loved me. the reveal of I'll spare whoever smells the gas. That was the scream that I like. That was the scream I remember. It was crazy. It was a little big for me for Ghostface, but cool. And another example of like she would have had to been the one to turn the gas on because another ghost face somewhere else would have had to been the one to be sending fucking faxes. You know what I mean? Like that's another example of like, we needed two ghost faces to kind of make that whole situation work. Um, weird. McDreamy is around. Yeah. Uh, the star of Transformers Dark of the Moon Dempsey is, um, I, I like him in other stuff. I forgot he was in that Transformers movie, but uh, you know, He's fine. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, my last thing is I just thought Neve Campbell was amazing. She was selling the Randy stuff in ways that, like, 
shouldn't it she didn't need to go that hard on it and she did and i thank her for it uh, i don't know if you noticed she was still wearing the greek letters which i thought was a really nice subtle costuming choice that she still is remembering that, that boyfriend uh you know i i, I like neve campbell is phenomenal in this and sells whatever screen time she has as best she can and uh it's great uh and then yeah the third act was just really sloppy and it goes into it and then pulls back and then it's just weak and it's just ugh. I don't know. These are kind of my final thoughts. It's just, it's a movie that I want to be good and it's just not. I desperately want it to be good and I see the potential and I see things I like. There's even more things in my notes I, I, I noted that I liked, but they're just not, they're not enough to make a good movie. This isn't a good movie and it sucks. It makes me sad. Like I want it so bad to be good. <laughs> if you were to rate it on a scale of one through five. When I originally watched this last year, two years ago, I gave it three stars. But I do genuinely think taking a closer look at it, I'm probably more two and a half, if I'm being honest. Which sucks. Again, I so desperately want to love this movie. And I just don't know if I can. This is the worst I've <laughs> ever felt. It's just like felt, annoying yeah. to watch. Ugh, it just like, I like, if I hate a movie, I love giving it a bad star. I'm like, yeah, fuck that movie. Da, da, da. But I, I, I want this movie to work out and it just doesn't. Yeah, I don't. I almost never want to say fuck heart. that movie. There are some examples where it's just such a crass, like uh, the Lion King twenty nineteen, right? Is my go to like such a crass turd that it's so and it's so expensive that it's very easy yeah. to say fuck this movie. This is the saddest I've ever felt about saying fuck this movie. But fuck this movie, two stars. Some people like it. Scotty don't, and that's how our scale works. Yep, there we go. Um, and that's Scream three. It's over. Now we have to wait 11 years for another installment in the Scream Franch. Uh, hopefully it's worth the wait. I don't know. I've seen some reviews come in recently from our pals that have raised my eyebrows considerably. So, so yeah, that is Scream 3. We will never have to talk about it ever again. The book is creaking shut. But first, we got to do our little show. I love gold. Could you believe that there are awards involved? Fucking what? The 2001 Who? Saturn Award nominated for Best Home Video Release. The Blockbuster Entertainment Award for Favorite Actress in a Horror Film. Nev Campbell won. Best Actor, David Arquette. Good. Courtney he Cox also nominated for Favorite Actress in Horror. So uh, fandom votes basically is what happened. Not to be that guy about okay. it. No, uh, Parker totally. Posey was nominated for a Fangoria Chainsaw Award in 2001. <laughs> well, there you go. Good for her. Uh, Adam Blumming won the Monitor Award for graphic design. I'm not quite sure what that is. Also, at the MTV Movie and TV Awards, Nev Campbell and Parker Posey were both nominated. Nev for Best Female Performance and and, and Parker Posey for Best Comedic Performance. That's... Because women aren't funny. <laughs> anyway. Three genders. Male, female, and comedy. <laughs> Those are the three genders. Ugh. Uh, finally, Courtney Cox and David Arquette won the Choice Chemistry Award at the Cheen Choice Awards in 2000. And oh and God, Scott Foley was nominated for Choice Sleaze Bag, which it's amazing that that's an award. <laughs> choice Sleaze Bag. He was a sleaze bag in this movie. I mean, that's there's no denying that. I mean, what can I say? I don't know anymore because I've forgotten the movie because the book is closing. <laughs> I'm sure he may be. Now it's time for the Alan Parsons Project, an mm -hmm. air quotesable segment in which we tie the film we're talking about to the Austin Powers movies. Remember the reason we're doing it? Obviously, our biggest link is the on-screen cameo by the amazing Carrie Fisher, who is yes. hilarious. She turns it up. She gives you exactly what you want. She's kind of serving Princess Leia and that hilarious joke about George Lucas. We love it. What more could you ask for? Uh, Peter Deming came back. He shot Mahal and Drive. He stuck around for this, or I think it's backwards. Yeah, I would have done this and then went straight to... Can you imagine going from Scream 3 to Mulholland fucking drive? I've eaten McDonald's before I've gone to the Met. I've done it. <laughs> I'm not above it. That's Who among us can say? a very funny joke, Kev. Um, Scott Andrew Weary's wrestler, R-E-S-S-L-E-R, -E is an actor, cinematographer, and writer who is credited as camera operator on Inland Empire. So many Lynch films link, it turns out. I think I did check. It's everyone but Eraserhead, I think, does link. That tracks, which is fine. Uh, also, also camera operator on every episode of Twin Peaks The Return. So 
you know, we watched the entirety of Twin Peaks. The Return. Like, hey guys, we're taking um, we're taking seventeen weeks, weeks. Off, and we're gonna fucking watch uh, Twin Peaks: The Return. Two people in Austin Nation just had a cardiac episode <laughs> at the Notion. Wow, on Lynch finally returns. On Lynch, after a year of not releasing, <laughs> we'll finally come back, baby. Oh. And I'm skipping ahead. Oh my god, who else we got? We got Don LaFontaine, uh, the Hollywood Studio Symphony, who gives us so much, by the way. They're the icons, really. Gives us Rise of the Planet of the Apes, the great movie with that hilarious John Lithgow performance that almost makes you forget that James Franco is in the movie at all, like the franchise does right after. Uh, (laughs) Who else do I want to highlight here? Finally, let's talk about Hillary Klim, K-L-Y-M is her name. If she wants to correct it, she can come on the show. She was in the camera department on one of my favorite movies, Star Trek 2009, and another one of my favorite movies that I've never seen, John Carter. 2012 oh and that is the end of the alan parsons project for this week obviously not a complete list asterisk but that's how it is <laughs> there you are you're over there we have one you over there zolidus writes in again and says zolidus just saying hello when you hi. are into your hi zolidus when you're into your teen scream horror themed month All hopes for you, too, is to have a blast with it. For me, it's not a genre I seek myself to watch first. I get it. It can happen that I stumble into it for other reasons. I would like to share a general thought on how you can find under-the-radar new horror movies. Since I'm a listener on Letterboxd, I usually end up making lists with potential movies I want to watch. I also do that, too, and then I overwhelm myself. (laughs) I I did that for a while, but I just have no discipline. I have a really great idea. I'll spend three hours at work. Don't tell my bosses and any prospective employers. I won't do this for you. Just a long story short. I won't do this for you, but I will spend hours planning out the journey that I will never take. I do it all the time. (laughs) Same. Uh, so all this continues, here is a tip for finding new movies that are horror. The film festivals often have a section called Midnight Madness. And it yes. can be worth to keep, I've never, I don't even know anything about festivals. Uh, it can be worth it to keep an eye out for those movies and pick them up sometime. I will show you an example from TIFF this year, what movies they had in the program. So no list from me. In TIFF, they had Pearl, Project Wolf Hunting, Sick, Sisu, Venus, Weird, The Al Yankovic Story, uh, VHS 99, The People's Joker, which was that really interesting if you've been following the People's Joker, oh that, yeah, yeah, the trans filmmaker made a like trans coming of age Joker story and got a cease and desist. Yeah, from that's Brothers. Right. That's Vera Drew who does amazing direction and editing on on cinema. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. well, she's I know she's trying to get People's Joker released somewhere. Um, that'd be really cool. And then uh, Leonor will never die in the blackening. A lot of those I have not heard of. Huh. Um, so yeah. these can be difficult to find, but it can be worth it to pick them up and check them out if you ever see them. But question for the week, do you watch any movies at a film festival? Uh, you you have. You just went, right? Yeah. Last year, I went to Dune a couple weeks before it came out at the New York Film Festival, which was awesome. And I went to Master Gardener last week. Uh, I put your editing skills to the test on that one. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. Um, but yeah, I try to go to some every year. Here in New York, we have a few. But, uh, you know, yeah, I try to go. I want to go next year. I did, like, um, Outfest did a digital thing last, this last year. Oh, I, I watched did a that. couple movies. That was one of our yeah, first I... big conversations was the Sunset yeah. Boulevard documentary. Yeah, and it's great. I have no idea if it's getting distributed anywhere, but there's a great Sunset Boulevard documentary that was on Outfest. So I did some digital um, stuff, but there is a Chicago film festival happening right now, and I'm not going to anything in it. Um, just cause I don't have the time, <laughs> honestly, but, uh, or the money to buy a pass that I would want to be able to actually see all those movies with. So I'm, my goal is next year to be able to go to Chicago film festival. Cause I think it'd be fun. Yeah. Um, stay tuned on me going to the New York film festival in a more formal way next year. Hell yeah. Um, we're, there's some conversations. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, so all this wraps up the email saying for me, oh, I'm going to ruin the name of this city. For me, I did it very intensely here in Gothenburg. 
that's probably wrong. I apologize to anyone that lives there. Uh, And it was uh, fun, but also exhausting to some degree. No, I agree. To maybe do two or three movies per day in 11 days, I experienced at some point, I just got stuffed and needed a break to digest what I'd watch. I agree. When they had the Lynch retrospective here, I tried to go to a lot of that and got so burnt out. Eventually, I I had to just stop going. I bought a full pass and I got so burnt out on like seeing like two, three movies a day for a whole week straight. It's, it's, It's a lot. It's overwhelming. Yeah, it is. And I go to double features all the time. That's like my whole thing. And even then, like, again, by the middle of that second feature sometimes, unless it's like something like Blood Diner, for example, (laughs) it could start to eat at you. I'm pretty sure I don't like M. Night Shyamalan's old because I saw it as the second feature. I think I went to Pig Mm. in the morning and then saw that in the afternoon. And those are two very different movies that are in two (laughs) very different worlds on purpose. So... Yeah, you never really know with stuff like that. I like to double yeah. feature because I, it's the only thing I do in my life, <laughs> besides this. And uh, but but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I could commit to like a film festival like schedule. Hopefully, yeah, we'll when see. I see. When I see like the critics I follow and their schedules that they have for film festivals, I do not envy them at all. Uh, and so I'll just finish this up by saying it's fantastic. Though I end up watching something I didn't expect much of, and I simply just enjoy it. That is awesome, being able to go and just experience something without the influencing. Uh, that's the magic moments worth more than any money. Okay, that was all. Take it easy. Zolidus. Thank you, Zolidus. Thank you, Zolidus. Peace and love. Great letter. Peace and love. And yeah, I think I might save up a few hundred bucks and, and try to get it like a pass if yeah. if certain things don't work out. I don't know. If you want to send us the fan the fan mail or the voicemails yeah. about anything, at gmail.com, baby. That's right. And we have no, we have no wheel. We're going Scream Four next week. We're 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 trucking. I'm ready. I'm raring for the wheel. We have Dick Tracy looking at us over the over the hill of Scream Five, and I'm ready to see what's next. I'm ready for the wheel to come back. Can you believe it's already the middle of October and we're already most of the way through this? Isn't that crazy? I cannot believe that. Actually, I this month is going by too fast. Isn't it, Rich? Time, Time marches on. And it stresses me out. Well. I don't know what to say to that, because if time is stressing you out, uh, I am already deceased. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to say, well, I get paid on Friday. That's good. So there you go. Next week, though, we begin again with Scream's take on the early 2010s reboot, refresh, legacy deal. With a movie called Scream. Or I think people are cool these days with calling it Scream 4. Or... As it was known on release, Scriform. Scriform. So, you know, watch it with us if you want. Whatever. We'll be back here next Monday. From Mackenzie, this is Kev. Awesome Danger Podcast. Peace. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Austin Danger Pod. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Mackenzie. Thanks for listening.